Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Eat, Sleep, Elite, Repeat podcast, your weekly AEW review and breakdown. And we're back with, uh, honestly, Charlie, it's a hell of a week. A lot of stuff happening in wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, the definition. Damn. Did, honestly, Charlie, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you a straight up question because like, I know I'm not supposed to do this anymore. You asked me not to do this at the top of the show before I get into any of the other stuff, but I got to know your thoughts. Ba- go back to all in of yeah. this year. Did you think we would be here by November? Uh, I I thought in November we would be fully fleshed into our CM Punk versus MJF, you know, who's the real world champion feud that it felt like we were getting. And now CM Punk is, uh, he, he, he returned at Survivor Series and he's back in WWE. So uh, this, to say the least, I did not think we'd be here. Not a fucking chance. Honestly, it's it's a wild situation. We'll get into all that stuff more. Like, there's obviously plenty of um, plenty of stuff to go through. Like, uh, like the Continental Classic is already starting off super hot. We have a new Ring of Honor Pure Champion. CM Punk returned to the WWE. We had our, we have got obviously had our classic results that we get for Ring of Honor Dynamite Rampage, and a huge debut in Ring of Honor this week, Charlie Ronda Rousey. And we'll get into all that stuff talking about Ring of Honor Dynamite Rampage and everything. Like I said. And um, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, and we'll get through everything else off the top, just because there's a lot of hot topics to get into this week, and I'm, I'm sure you'll want to jump straight into it, Charlie. Um, but you know, make sure if this is the first time you guys happen to be listening to this podcast, you know, either you haven't already followed us on Twitter or you haven't followed us on the podcast platform where you're choosing. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that's at Bane Duke for me, B A N E D U K E, and at O Charlie with an X instead of an A for Charlie. And if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can follow at Eat Sleep Elite, where we're trying to build a wrestling community and we always like to respond to things. We got listed apparently not on that, but we our podcast got listed as like a top five AEW podcast at one point. And also recommended as a wrestling history podcast, which at first I was like, what? But then I was like, you know, honestly, like, if you want to know the history of AEW from the last couple of years, our podcast has covered no everything that's happened. And I, we've predicted a lot of the things that have happened in terms of like signings and stuff like because we know the vibes and we know the rumors, you know what I mean? So um, it actually makes a lot more sense when you think about it that way. But um, either way, you know, just the fact that we were recommended by some random person who we don't know, you know, they, we don't know who they are they just were like yeah this is a good pod anyway um and also you know make sure like uh like i said if you're like on uh, apple Podcasts, spotify google whatever the heck podcast platform you're on follow in or subscribe make sure you get that podcast in the feed every week and get that five star vlog frog splash review which you can actually call it now because rob van dam is all elite get into it charlie which we always like to start off with our favorites because we like to start off with some positivity and uh i'm on the ball first if you will yeah, Wheeler really, took on Katsuyori Shibata for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship, and uh, Nigel got a little bit of a credit actually here for being the longest reigning, uh, you know, Pure Champion. But speaking of that, so the big deal in this match is well, actually, before I get into that, I'll talk about the match a little bit because that's what I should do. Obviously, um, that's what you do. And uh, this was on Rampage, by the way. If I didn't make that clear, it was the Rampage main event. Wheeler really, Yuta defeated Katsuyori Shibata to win the title. I I just had to say that because I, I mentioned that. I, but um, I actually thought it was a really good match. And actually, Charlie, would you agree with me? Like, main events on all these shows are usually pretty solid. But this match just flowed nice. Like, I didn't ever feel bored. I didn't feel like, ah, oh, this is just like, yeah. you know, an old man wrestling a young man. You know, It didn't feel like that. Not that 
No, and old. and having it live, it it made the result uh, that that much more like uh, indisputed. Like it, I, I was actually really excited about seeing what, what's going to happen here. It's you know, Rampage Live before Collision, it it works. I dig it. Yeah, I mean, if they want to, I don't know if they want to try and package those two shows together because I don't know, but I don't know. I maybe people will be interested in that. I'm not sure. Um, I, I I can't say how I would feel about that because I don't usually watch the shows like. I don't always get a chance to watch everything live. Sometimes I have to watch the replay. You know what I mean? So, um, but either way, um, the, um, we're like highlights of stuff. Sometimes I've never actually missed a show though, which is amazing. In the last couple of years, I don't think I've ever missed a wrestling show, except for one that I didn't know we were supposed to cover way back in the day. Um, that's a story that I never actually told in the podcast. It's pretty funny. Um, do you remember that Charlie, the week where I didn't watch Rampage and I had to go back and watch it before we recorded? That was pretty funny. Um, I think so, yeah. <laughs> it was like week two or three of the podcast, and I yeah. think I hadn't been watching it, and I just happened to like not need to know because I recapped some of the stuff, and I just thought maybe I missed like I don't know what was going through my head, but it wasn't multiple weeks. I don't think, but it was like week one or two. I was like, oh, we're supposed to watch Rampage. I didn't know it was like I thought it was taped. I thought that meant it wasn't like I I because what taped to me in wrestling meant it didn't count canon wise because that's how WWE tape shows work. You know what I mean? Like, um. Like I thought it was like superstars at first, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have no idea, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, that's how little I knew about AEW before I started covering the show. Just to give everybody, for anyone that w- thinks of me as like the AEW stand of AEW stands, which I don't know if anybody does, but if you had that view of me, that should tell you everything you need to know. Two years ago, I didn't know jack shit about any of these people, you know, except for the people that I already knew from the other company. But, um, so anyway, uh. Not to completely discredit myself while talking about one of my favorite matches of the week, but I just thought I I just I don't know. I think that's I just figured I'd be honest about that because this is why I'm so much of a fan of some of the guys that we're gonna talk about this week, Charlie. Our pillars, are they're gonna be all over this stuff, you know what I mean? And oh, exactly. I Wheeler Yuta winning the championship here. I feel like it's the right time. I feel like the only thing I'm not super vibing with, and maybe maybe you'll I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So basically the way Wheeler won the championship was uh, he took out the ref a little bit and then hit a low blow on Shibata and then I believe locked in a submission. Let me just check. I believe that's how he won. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, wait. No, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He. Oh, sorry. He locked him in a seatbelt. That's why I thought it was a submission because I think that's what yeah. I thought in my moment in the moment that he was going for. But he, he just used the seatbelt after he hit him. Uh, with a DDT. Anyway, the point is, he was beating uh, Shibata up after the match again, was going to hit him with another DDT, and Hook made the save. Now, I'm not sure Hook in a pure title match makes sense, and I don't think I want Wheeler Yuta going after the FTW championship, to be completely honest with you, so... And, like, I don't I don't know. What do you think of this? Like, I, I everything else in this, I love the phenomenal match. Great main, yes. event, main event to Rampage. I'm glad Wheeler is the champion. How do you feel about Hook? But give me your thoughts on the match. But then after you, you know. yeah, yeah, um, you know, I, I, anytime we get a chance to see Shibata in one of these spots, I'm always excited about it. I'm always excited about the prospect of it. Of course, I thought they went out there. This was a fun pure rules main event. Uh, same thing with pure rules. Kind of as always, I feel like the a lot of the crowd never really cares for it, and that's just a, uh, a fundamental thing. You know, if if they put a pure rules match on Forbidden Door, that crowd, probably like 90% of people are going to care about it. Whereas just a normal Rampage, you know, maybe about 40% are into it. And it's just un- an unfortunate thing about pure rules is some people just, they're not vibing with it. 
But I, I think Shibata has been kind of a turn breaker in that, in the sense of, you know, we're, we're pushing forward with this belt. And I, I feel like more and more people are caring. So you to winning, right? That drew some speculation. And it sounds like, uh, sounds like Shibata, you know, he had to head back to Japan and this was a, a situation where I think we always kind of assumed that he wasn't going to be able to be here for forever. The fact that he was able yeah. to stay for 230 days, essentially, I mean, he wasn't there all the time. He, I mean, you're about and, to go through it. I'm sure how many defenses he had, but it was more than you would think, but it wasn't like, it wasn't oh, like, absolutely. And yeah. it sounds like this might be a visa thing. So in the, in the sense of, you know, they probably, they're going to need this title on their card in a couple of weeks, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you know, they, they don't have champions right now in Ring of Honor, so, you know, they, they need to have something on there. So I guess in their eyes, Yuta, oh, that's maybe right. there's the best not a situation. Single cha- there's literally not a single champion that can be on the show in Ring of Honor right no, now, except it's, it's, <laughs> That's it's a, so sad. It's a, fucking, it's, it's a legit problem. And, um, you know, yeah. I know Athena, I'm a Ring of Honor person, but like, it doesn't occur to me when I'm watching, because the episodes of Ring of Honor are usually awesome. Like, they don't... Yeah, no, how Athena good is Athena and Ronda that Rousey they don't need any of the good, champions? That's crazy. You know, Athena and Ronda Rousey will be a good main event for that show, and, and, and it'll deliver. But um, I'm going to be fucking furious when she loses to fucking Ronda, bro. Maybe she will, maybe she won't. Uh, Hook making his way... You know, Hook versus Wheeler Yuta, is that going to sell more tickets? I don't think so. I think Hook could use something like this, though. I'm not saying that Hook couldn't cool do a pure it. rules match, but it's just not been the style cool he's it. done at all. No, right? agreed. It's not the style he's done, but I think for Hook to maybe hit the next level in his career, working this kind of angle might might help him because he's really it good. It could also like, this, like uh, throw him in the dirt like the last time they put him in a gimmick match. You know what I mean? Like It, it could, but I, I feel like... How Hook, long was he off TV after the last like multi-man match they put him in? You know what I mean? Like It was yeah, bad. Right? I would like to see Hook train with someone like Yuta or a Josh Woods. I, I think that is beneficial to his style. So, you know, uh, I, I'm cool with this. I think and it'll actually work as a match. I just, I, I hope that, because that, I guess Hook does fit into that mold. But again, they just haven't booked him that way at all. It's no, they so haven't. Wild. So maybe, maybe Ring of Honor, maybe he'll get in there with, you, you know. know what, who, you know who I need to have Hook face in the next couple of weeks on Ring of Honor? Josh Woods. Yeah, that'd be perfect. I think if Josh you put Woods him against him, example. I think he can figure out the vibe because Josh Woods like is going to tear. I would like if Josh Woods were to train him. Bro, if that's the plan, actually, that's genius by Tony Khan because he's been building up Josh Woods as a pure guy for a while. And I thought he was going to be the one that faced Shibata eventually. You know, that just didn't end up happening. You know what I mean? Or maybe they did it on. Did they do it on a Ring of Honor? They might have done it. Yeah, they they did the match. It just wasn't. It uh, wasn't like the main. It wasn't the pay per view. I think match. it was so just the both thinking is that it would be not to completely derail and only talk about Ring of Honor for like the first ten minutes of the show. Everybody, this is just. There's going to be a lot of Ring of Honor talk this week, trust me. Yeah, it was, our, it, was our, it. it was the opening favorite, you know? It was the vibes. Um, so we'll jump into my favorite now. Uh, actually, before we do that, let's talk about the pure title. Because, uh, you know, Good call. It, this kind of does with our wrestling history, if you will, of our show. And, you know, whenever there's a title reign, and if you guys are, if this is your first uh, episode since, you know, maybe you checked us out for Full Gear for the first time, and this is your first uh, normal show, thanks for coming by. And, uh... Something we do is when someone's title reign ends in Ring of Honor or AEW, we like to go through the history of it. So, Katsuyori Shibata held the pure title for 239 days. That is the third longest reign ever uh, with Nigel McGuinness and, um, I'm blanking on his name, I just had it, Gresham, Gresham as, the sec- as the second one. Um, so, yeah, Shibata, really good lengthy title reign. Of course, he won it at Supercard of Honor 2023. 
where he defeated Wheeler Yuta. That was a big shock, and it was a big night for Ring of Honor of kind of setting the tone for 2023, I think it's fair to say. And he definitely did. Honor Club Episode 6, he defends against Christopher Daniels. Honor Club Episode 14, and I'm going to say it, man, my favorite defense, he faced Alex Coughlin. I loved that. That was Master vs. Apprentice. That was my first like real introduction to Coughlin, and now he's been in New Japan uh, for the better part of the year. I loved everything about this. One of my favorite pure title matches of this entire reign. Rampage it was just like a random week of Ring of Honor too, wasn't it? Yeah. Like it was just like, and it was just yeah. like, like there's just been like, if you guys go back to the history of the Ring of Honor reviews that we've done, like there's just so many random weeks where they just in the middle of the card threw like a match like that because I think it was just middle of the card too. I don't think it was. Like yeah, they were booking Coglin like uh, in episodes like twelve and thirteen, and he he was calling out his his trainer. He's calling out his master, you know, and that was the way they did it. Rampage 95, so May 31st, he defended against Lee Moriarty. Pretty fine match. Death Before Dishonor 2023, so about uh, two months later, he defended against Daniel Garcia, and that was a fun match. The following week, at Honor Club episode 23, he defended against Josh Woods. Uh, Seven weeks later, he defends against Nick Wayne on Honor Club. Nine weeks after that, he defends against Trent Beretta. And, um, which uh, was this week's episode, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, it, sh- it shows when it was taped. I was like, wait, 1115. Um, <laughs> but yes, he defends against Trent Beretta. And then, uh, 10 days after that, he loses it at Rampage 120. So, like I said, 239 day reign. This to me is memorable. He was a good champion. And he defined, uh, you know, the Ring of Honor Peer Division for 2023. So, any thoughts on the, on his reign as, as the, Ring of Honor go-to guy here? I think it's just one of those things that's going to make the, if they truly want to try and make the pure title, like, one of the main titles in Ring of Honor, and, like, it feels like they're trying to put it above the TV title at this point, you know? Um, This is how you do that. This is a good start, is by getting somebody like Wheeler, who's going to be a legend one day, and he's not quite there yet, but he's on his way, you know? And somebody who's already a legend, like Shibata, you know? Um, I think if Orange Cassidy, for some reason, doesn't have a spot on the main roster of AEW, it, like for some reason, like they don't want to book him at the time, you could have him hold it and then maybe do some crazy stuff with it, you know, or just like, yeah, what I think now is great is that, you know, it's unfortunate that we never got to see like what Brian Danielson would do with this title in 2023, right? And maybe they'll still throw one match in there at some point against somebody, right? Um, I have no idea. But I mean, like. Just the legacy of this title, I think, has been strengthened so much by Shibata having had not just the, t- the title reign, but the third longest ever. And I think, like I said, if you'd asked me when he won the title, I, I would have told you, yeah, I think he'll lose this either at the next pay-per-view or maybe on a random week of Ring of Honor. And because I would assume I, at the time, I was assuming he was going to have to go back to do with his responsibilities in Japan. But at the time, he was also doing a lot of stuff with New Japan Strong. So it was a lot easier to work with and Strong went away. So obviously, they were going to call him back at some point. The fact that we got 230 days, though, that's pretty unbelievable, you know? Yeah, and that's not counting all his tag matches that he had and, and all of this and that. So those are strictly pure title defenses. So really good stuff. Um, and if it's Visa-related, then we, he might not be gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. It, it sounds like it's just a timing thing. So I'm sure we'll get more news about that throughout the uh, coming weeks. But uh, yeah, uh, good to know. Because maybe it's because he can't make the pay-per-view, right? Uh, so we're going to jump over to Collision for my favorites this week, and we're going to the Continental Classic, the Blue League, 
we had Claudio Castagnoli pick up three points in his uh, victory over Daniel Garcia. This wasn't the longest match ever. This wasn't the sexiest match ever. But I'll tell you what. Whether it was on Rampage, because I watched them back-to-back. You know, you know they, if they're going to treat them like a live show back-to-back, I was like, all right, let's watch these back-to-back. Daniel Garcia and his little pre-interviews, dude, they were fucking perfect. Bro, I'm not going to lie to you. His build to this match, it made <laughs> me he care. he said that shit about people are saying that there's some guys in this tournament that are just here to eat pins, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no. That's yeah. literally what I said on the no, podcast was, last week. I was like, dude. He he knows where his role is in this story, and Daniel Garcia is the underdog. How do you build the underdog? You got to have him lose. I felt the- very called out by that. <laughs> and I thought he went out here and wrestled a fun match with Claudio Castagnoli, someone who I am forever grateful we have in AEW. He is fantastic. He fits AEW. Both these guys, to me, feel like core AEW guys. And, um, you know, whether you were, uh, it was Chop City, between the both of them, uh, you had these guys clubbing the fucking shit out of each other. Uh, we kind of get towards the end here, where you know Garcia hit, got him in the uh, got hit with a Ricola bomb. He hit for the Dragon Tamer. Claudio put him into the Sharpshooter, and I was like, okay, that's it. Wasn't his, even just that. I'll, the, uh, not to bulldoze, his TJ Wilson, like, if you will. It was the Sharpshooter Uno Reverse. He was trying to lock him into the uh, Dragon Tamer, and he flipped yeah. it around. He just said, "Nah, I'm, you're not strong enough for that, son." And then he eventually uh, cracks him over the back of the head, rolls him up for a near fall. Claudio hit the uh, Swiss death uppercut, which um, someone had a really good call on. I think it was I think it was Kelly. He's like, well, that, that's the match. No, it wasn't. He pops back up. The fish still has life. Boom. Another heavy uppercut. Recall a bomb for the one, two, three. I thought that was a fun finish. I thought the crowd really started to buy in. And um, I think this was a good tone setter for what I think Daniel Garcia is going to do in this tournament. And I had to get in that hit. What he said in the opening crawl of collision and what he said in rampage played into this being my favorite, because I thought the way they built this single match was really enjoyable. So uh, what'd you think of this one? Yeah, I thought it was a really fun match. Um, I thought Daniel's selling like a champion. I've been saying that for a while. What I'm, what I'm trying to say by that is I think he should be a champion. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, dude, on commentary, Nigel has to tease us and be like, mm, what if I were to come back? Shut up. You're not coming back, asshole. Anyway. Um, but, uh, if you do wrestle with Brian, please. Thank you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I actually really like this. Give me what I want. The, literally. Um, like you said, in the cold open, like, I'm glad they were, they're like, I think they're starting to just not use the cold open every time just because then maybe it means more. I don't know if that's how that actually works. I think it's more consistency that makes it mean more with regard to that, but I actually have no idea. So they can do what they want. It's not my show. Um, but yeah, Daniel was kind of being treated by a bit, bit like an underdog here, you know, um, like, which I guess makes sense going up against Claudio. He got beat up a little bit though. So is it... Is the story with him going to be like he's fighting for his one win that he's going to maybe going to get or maybe one or two wins he's going to get because he's like considered the underdog or whatever? Or I, is I think the story based off this match and all we've seen from the tournament. And I'm not saying this because he's one of our pillars, of course, but based off the way that they booked this. I think he's the underdog and he's going to the finals. That's the way I've perceived this. I think you're going to have him. 
they're going to take it to the point where it feels like, okay, he's out, and then he wins the rest of the matches. That's my guess, uh, based on the way that they set it up. Now, he could, it could be what you just mentioned, where it's a situation where, yeah, it's to get one big win. You know, he'll beat Danielson, right? And that's his big win. That totally could be the case, right? But I, I'm buying it as, uh, yeah, no, it's, I think you have him maybe lose to Claudio. I don't know his second opponent off the top of my head. If it's Brody King, that, that is going with exactly what I'm saying. I think you have him lose to Claudio, lose to Brody, win the last three in a row. He's in the finals. That's my guess. Wins the last three plus the playoff and he's in the finals. That's the way I'm interpreting this story. But I could totally be reading it wrong. Um, what do you think of that? So that's yeah, the way I mean, that I think, it's I think been what you're saying me. makes a lot of sense. I think that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I don't know because in my head, like I want, I want, I would love for this to be Daniel's tournament. You know what I mean? Um, same, same. And, and I'm trying to take that part of me, that part of me out of what the way I interpreted how they're booking uh, this. his next match, um, on collision is against Andrade. Okay. So you could have him lose to Andrade and then maybe Brody. Yeah, Andrade's legit. He's beats. been winning pretty much every match he's had since he came back, you know, except for the exception of, I think he lost to, was it Roosh or somebody like that? He lost to somebody who he could lose to, but it wasn't like he didn't lose anything for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at the field and like everybody in it, it's obviously really good. I'm just not seeing the winner yet. I think after a couple of weeks of this, maybe we'll, we'll maybe, be able to, maybe that'll make it harder to see because the people will have points that didn't, I don't know. Um, there's an argument for Jay White because you just, I mean, you know, people are saying that, oh, I can't believe Jay White got buried, you know, like, and he didn't really get buried. I think he, you know, I think a lot of people thought maybe he'd beat MJF. I, I, I don't know if he should have or he shouldn't have. I won't, I won't yeah. comment on that, but going into the match, I thought, um, I definitely thought MJF was winning, but the way they booked the match, I thought Jay White was winning. So I, I'm like of two coins on that one, you know? So, yeah, we've talked about how overbooked that main event was. I, um, yeah, I, I thought that was like so obvious at one point. I'm like, oh, this is Jay White. This is how they do it. Okay, this is how they do it. He lost. It's like what a yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the tournament it was a, it was just a fun opening week, and uh, I could totally see Claudio winning this fucking thing too. Based off this, I'm just trying to say the way that the show felt tonight, you know, from Collision. Yeah, that, that's how I booked it. Uh, that's how I interpreted it. So, yeah, guys, um, as you know, what we'd like to do next is we take a little break from the action, essentially, where we're just going to kind of cover the main news for the week. Some weeks this this flies by. It's three minutes. Some weeks it's a little longer. I think this might be a little on the longer side because we had some pretty interesting stuff this week. Kicking us off, we'll keep it in-house. We'll keep it in AEW where they have filed one of their latest trademarks. And as this has come into play every single time we've covered it, so we might as well cover another one, right? They have officially filed the trademark for East West Express. What's East West Express, you might ask? It is the tag team name of Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver, and that they have been a tag together since uh, early 2020. Jordan Oliver has never wrestled for AEW, so... It was for entertainment services, namely live appearance by a group or individual wrestlers. Does this mean Jordan Oliver's coming to the company? I don't know. 
Hopefully he does, because... Uh, does that mean they're going to book Jordan Oliver to come in as a company and defeat the patriarchy because he wants to get his friend back? Like, that would yeah. be incredible. Yeah, maybe maybe he's the newest member of their group, right? So... That, that could also be the case, you know? It just depends. Yeah, so there, there's options here. Or maybe they're just stealing the name and it's going to be him and kill I mean, if uh, Edge literally team. does just come in and one-shot Christian, which could happen, I, I should say Adam Copeland, you know what I mean? Then maybe they break up the patriarchy and that's what Nick Wayne does after. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah, maybe the boy needs to bring in a friend, right? So boy, we got options with there. It seemed like Billy Starks was pretty excited about the, uh, what that could mean. So we've covered, yeah, she, you know, she probably wrestles with yeah. these dudes on the Indies all the time. You know and I mean, like <laughs> Juice Robinson was noticeably absent. Uh, there is now a report going out that he is injured and he will require back surgery. That is tough. fucking tough, man. Um, One of the like fucking most entertaining people on AEW television is gone. So. It sounds like minimally he's out the rest of the year. Um, and uh, injuries are the plague of all existence in wrestling. So, uh, really, the- let's, let's be honest. Like AEW gets way more. I don't know. Like it does seem like people get injured more in AEW. And I don't think that's like a safety thing. I think it's just like they allow them to take more risks. You know what I mean? Like. Sometimes. Which is you can moralize however you want, but I'm just saying I think that's like the fact of it. Like it's just way more more dangerous. I mean, look at what happened. Mean, we'll talk about it, but look at what happened to Dante and Martin. You know what I mean? That wouldn't happen in the WWE unless something really went wrong. You know, like yeah. So which is part of the reason why WWE's like stunt spots look like stunt spots, and they don't look like well, what they look like in AW, which is just actual potential injury. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So no timetable, but um. I think when Juice Robinson returns, he is going to get some fucking love. And it I, I think that might be the first time in his career he really gets the um the uh, uh I wanna say like ovation he deserves. So I think when he when he returns, he's gonna know how much uh, he was he's appreciated. So uh hope, wishing the best for him if he ever returns, right? So Okay, this was uh, one of the newer things uh, that just recently dropped. So, I mean, the article is literally not even 20 minutes old. And this was talking about Brian Danielson leading in a- the AEW committee that made the decision to fire CM Punk. He was one of the three members of the group. And um, AEW General Counsel Chris Peck and an outside attorney, uh, they all came together after the events of August All In. And... Um, from the report, what we got is Danielson was See, not not to cut you off, and that what's fascinating about that is Tony Khan would actually when it was really smart the way, but he took himself out of the situation because he knew his personal feelings, right? Because he obviously yeah. had some animosity toward Punk after the events of All In, right? And or was it All Out? Whichever one where he actually got physical with Tony, right? Um, and then he also brought in some legal representatives, but he made sure that they talked to Brian. I don't know if those two would have done that on their own. I think so they I think, should put maybe in perspective of where Brian's at in this company. I mean, who else? And I was saying this to you before the podcast, because we discussed it a little bit before. Who else would you trust besides Brian Danielson out of the whole locker room? You know what I mean? Like, he seems like a pretty, you know, straight up guy. Like, he may not agree with you on everything personally, but he's not going to mistreat you, I don't think, you know? And it's uh, so here's what we got from the report. I'll just read it verbatim. It's not not long. Uh, Danison was said to have spoken to the roster when addressing them about Punk's termination and noted that the decision was a particularly hard one. He cited the positives that CM Punk brought in his longstanding friendship with Punk, but said that it was a decision that had to be made. Um, so, yeah, uh, 
this 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 goes back to when Punk was fired. And um, let's just talk about it. CM Punk has returned to WWE at Survivor Series. I figured we should talk about this, especially because we we are we covered the entire summer. Like we went through this whole thing, his return, how awesome Collision was, to finding out what was happening on Collision, to real glass, to the firing. We covered all of it from beginning to end. We've even talked about in the aftermath, you know, what what could what could happen next. You know, the rumors of Noah, the rumors of WWE, the rumors of Impact, which it sounds like they made a real offer and uh, that just didn't end up being the case. So he returned to WWE with a remix purse, uh, cult of personality. He was at the Allstate Arena Survivor Series. It's clobbering time. And last night he uh, cut his opening promo for the company where they gave him Eight and a half minutes, including his long ass entrance. And uh, Duke, he—I'm not going to go word for word like eight thousand other shows will, but for he—he—he he, he said, "I'm home." He said, "I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money." And he alluded that uh, hell froze over. And it just—here's what I'll say, uh, my personal opinion about this. It felt like he had some heart missing from this promo. It felt like, uh, you know, you compare this to the first dance on Rampage. This this was way different. And you can say, what, people will have their opinions. You know, this was way different than that, that first dance. This was way different than Collision in, in June. I feel like people forget the Collision run ever happened, to be honest, when I'm reading about stuff online. But that's for another day. Um, it just, it felt a little empty for CM Punk. and. I messaged you after I watched it. I was like, I, I thought there, because when Cody Rhodes returned to WWE, he cut a fucking amazing, amazing promo. And I was like, maybe, maybe Punk will do the same. Because I, you know, when CM Punk was fired up from Ace Steel and then he went on to challenge John Moxley at All Out, that was one of the greatest promos in the history of AEW. It was truly something special. So I was like, I know Punk has it in him, obviously. This just felt like someone who is there to do business, and he's there to make a check. I, I think those words he said are actually true. I don't know if he's, you know, beyond excited to be there. I don't know if he's there out of spite. I don't know if he's there. Hey, out that of was passion. a shot at TK, though. That's what I saw on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, maybe he is there out of passion, right? Maybe he wants to wrestle more, and uh, we'll see. I mean, there's well, no, rumors. no part of what he said. See, no, this is why. See, I wasn't going to do this, but because I know people are going to do exactly the same thing that you're doing, and I know you're not doing it on purpose because you're trying to like avoid like being like incendiary about this. But what people are going to do is forget that when he came back, he said in interviews, part of yeah. the reason why AW convinced him to come back was the reduced schedule. So he's going to have a reduced schedule, and he's going to be a part timer in WWE. People need to recognize that. Like, oh yeah, and I'm I'm sure his like first couple programs, he's probably going to get Rollins and fucking Roman Reigns. I mean, l- legit, he's going to get the top guys. He's going to be treated as a fucking, uh, you know, superstar. And uh, you know, we'll have to see where it goes. And but yeah, what did you, what did you think about this? And you know, did you ever see it coming? I, I guess let's just start with that, right? I mean, that's a that's a really good question because I was obviously somebody that was calling for it like every episode of our podcast for like two years straight or something back when we covered WWE. Every time they were in Chicago, it felt like I was like, punk, punk, punk. 
because there would always be rumors. I think at that time, I actually wanted CM Punk to come back. Um, I think by the time he actually did come back, I no longer cared. Then he made me care again in AEW by putting on some brutally entertaining wrestling. I still think him versus MJF might be the best singular storyline that's been told in wrestling in years. It was And I don't think that the good. fucking bloodline, and people can call me fucking faded for saying this, I don't think the bloodline is as good of a storyline. You could say that I'm crazy for saying that. But I actually bought into the MJF versus... Um, uh, versus punk thing because i was really invested in seeing what both i wasn't even that big of a fan of mjf at the time i knew that he was good but i almost didn't want to believe the hype too hard because i didn't want to be disappointed by the guy you know what i mean i knew he could cut a really good promo and i knew he was decent in the ring at the very least obviously he's really good in the ring but at the time it was still a, a question people threw out there you know um because he didn't wrestle as much and i still think that's one of the best storylines aid it might be the best storyline we've covered I, would you agree i, I what's better like oh, it's beautiful it was just really well told storytelling and it was long term and it didn't feel like it was stretched out too far and it felt like okay and it felt like it still had one level like chapter left to tell obviously that we never got to tell but even where it was left off it was still a really good story right and then i mean that dog collar match that's got to be an iconic aw match you know what i mean like that's gonna be on aw streaming service one day if it has one you know what i mean yeah, one thousand percent. That match will be there. Don't you agree? Like I, I like. So like, as a person that was super into punk back when I was really into wrestling, and I've talked about this in the pod before. I, there were three wrestlers that I really ever connected with super hard, and they were CM Punk, Edge, and Jeff Hardy. And beyond that, there were others that I went through phases with and stuff. But for the most part, those were the ones that if they were on, I was probably going to watch. Right. So. You know, we had all three in AEW for like, well, actually, we never had them all three. We could have had all three in AEW at the same time. Then it never came to, never came to that, you know? Um, but I mean, like, I think at the end of the day, out of those three, if I even have you to ask me back in the day who my favorite was, it probably wouldn't have been Punk. I think it would have probably told you Edge. Because Edge was just, I mean, we'll talk about his promo this week. I mean, like, He's just something else to me, but I always just really enjoyed CM Punk because he was so different than everybody else, you know? And he was as good as he said he was to an extent. His run in AEW, to me, I think still stands for what it is, the stuff that was actually he was able to do. I still think he... I, I, I still think it was right to put the AEW championship on him at the first time that they did it, you know what I mean? 100% agree. Um, it was the perfect timing. Maybe even the second time, you know? Yeah, because he is a two-time champion, right? That's right. I forgot because he got stripped, but he's technically a two-time champion, yeah, he, right? He beat Moxley at the paper. Yeah, even though it was only like a one-day reign, technically. But yeah. So I mean, like, am I disappointed in how it, things ended? Uh, yes. Oh, what absolutely. I'm, what I, I'm shocked by though is that this people are 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 treating it like he didn't get fired from the last company he worked for. You know, like. I, and like I just don't know. I'm worried for him because like I, I've already said this to you. Like AEW, for all intents and purposes, couldn't really go against him until he started doing stuff that they could fire him for. You know, like because he was their top star. I mean, it feels like that's been the vibe that people have been saying is that, like Tony Khan was super cucked by this guy. You know, like he just couldn't say no to him. Basically, um, I mean, which, with how much control he had over Collision, I mean. It feels like he they he wanted to make it work, and it just it sucks that it never 
it didn't. I mean, it was a three month run. Literally, it was from June to the end of August. And like, I just think that if that's because I, I don't think he's going to get that kind of treatment in WWE. Maybe he will. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm worried that people are like so excited for him to be back, right? And I, I had that same feeling a couple of years ago, you know, like, and I'm just worried that it's going to end the same way it did. And everyone's going to be like really pissed. And it's, somehow it's still going to be AEW's fault. I'm sure, you know, like, yeah. And, and to that one point you made, I, I, I do agree. I, I think a lot of the stuff in the trades that we're seeing, it is often people are almost saying he left AEW and, and I, it's like, guys, he didn't leave. He, he got fired, man. I mean, Whatever happened, I'm sure we'll we'll figure out the real of what happened one day. You know, someone will write a fucking book that should some dark side of the ring episode or something. Exactly, that's and, not canceled already. You and know, we'll like. figure it out. And you know, whatever happened, happened. And uh, it's it's. I mean, allegedly there is footage of the last event. Allegedly, yeah, and and someone might get paid to fucking leak it. Who knows? But. You know, we'll see what happens. And uh, QT, you don't work for the company anymore, man. I know you got money. Come on. Yeah, right. It's it's pretty crazy that uh, that he is gonna still be wrestling, and he is still AEW's top merch seller, and he's gonna be wrestling in WWE. Nah, you know who should pay for the footage to be released? This would be comedy. Colt Cabana. Yes. Jeez, that's yeah. Uh, what a that's a whole other thing. Take that Ring of Honor contract. They're paying him to not be on the show to fucking send it to the fucking Wembley guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, so yeah, it's what a situation we've got ourselves in. Right. And like, I, I don't even care about the promo because like, I honestly thought for sure in my head, because this guy's so fucking petty and all the promos we saw him cut on AEW after he came back, how petty they were, you know, counterfeit bucks and all that. Not that I'm like, Charlie, I'll, I'll just straight up ask you. I'm not a young buck dick rider. In fact, I actually hate on them sometimes, you know, like one mil <laughs> fill. That was I mean, oh, that was not a one, one mil fill promo. One bill fill, right? Like, I mean, that oh was not God. one of those promos. And I mean, I'm sure he's closer to that number now, you know? It's, uh... The only thing I will address from the promo is people said that the thing at the end was a shot at TK. And I'm like, it's bro... not a shot. That's a bro, fucking you, shot you for him. you think Tony Khan didn't give this guy the bag? <sighs> he probably gave him the bigger bag than he gave fucking Will Ospreay. It's yeah, I I just maybe not actually that might be extreme, but you know I'm what I mean. Be like, honest, man, I I don't think Tony cares. Like as cra- as crazy as that might sound, he gave. Well, I'm just saying. Well, I, how would you if think people are saying the billionaire that started his own wrestling company literally couldn't pay CM Punk? I know, right? <laughs> he gave him his own fucking show. You know, he'll he'll pay the next guy, and you know the cycle will continue. But yeah, so. That that was just a funny thing I saw on Twitter. I was like, "Really, dude? Come on, use like one brain cell, please." Like, uh, but uh, speaking of no longer in AEW, QT Marshall has wrapped up all of his work in AEW. It sounds like uh, he reportedly felt AEW was moving in a New Japan Pro Wrestling related direction, and he doesn't like that direction. He doesn't QT agree with this question mark. He doesn't agree with where the company's going. He 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 blames it in terms of a more of a focus on in ring versus storytelling. Which okay, yeah, man, that's just, tough. That, that just, gets you into Ring of Honor territory. You uh, know just I mean? uh, just say you don't watch the show, and uh, you know, I guess we'll uh, 
you know, no, I mean, he, you know, you, honestly, QT. like, let's be real, Charlie, as much as I want to be like a defender of AEW, because we say that literally every week, AEW doesn't tell any stories, la, 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 but like, they tell QT too many saying that I, I feel like if anybody has authority to say that it's probably QT because he was involved in a lot. Yeah, of but at the same like, time, we could pick he on knows better than either of us, different like. stories this week. Well, you I know, think he's saying, and I, I would agree with this, and I think I've gotten you to agree with this before. It's not that AEW doesn't tell stories. It's that AEW will start telling a story, and then it'll take six months to get there. So by the time they get to the finale of it, people think it's just like a completely different storyline. Like, Yeah. I mean, look, I get that tournaments aren't for everyone, and maybe that was the final call for him. So, you know, hey, good for him. He is an incredible trainer for wrestling. And... um you know, but we'll, I mean, let's like, when did we'll the, the Nightmare Factory stuff start? Like, that's a long term story. AEW has been telling for a while. Oh, of course. Yeah, they got a whole bunch. Yeah, I don't know where this narrative come from, comes from, because then I immediately start thinking of like all the stories that we have. Jay White's run on collision for all intents and purposes has been a story. It maybe isn't like a story story, but I think you could definitely tie everything he's done together and be like, it's what led him to being the contender for MJF, you know, like, yeah, right. I don't know. Oh, uh, Speaking of MJF, he suffered a torn labrum. He will still defend his AEW world title at World's End, so I'm guessing we're not going to see MJF wrestle too much before then. And um, I mean, will we have anyway? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? Maybe just like a one-off. Maybe the tag titles, right? That was probably it. Yeah, they might have done that. If I mean, do we know when is Adam Cole? Like, he's still going to be out for a while, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, what a fucking, what a nightmare that is. So here's what Meltzer wrote in the Wrestling Observer this week. He said, MJF suffered a legit dislocated hip during the match as well as an aggravated, aggravated a shoulder prior, aggravated a prior shoulder injury. The hip injury took place when he was planning to do the spot where he'd come off the top rope and fly far, ending with an elbow drop, putting her opponent through the table. However, when he put White on the table, it collapsed. Instead of ditch, ditching the spot, he felt that the crowd was going to flatten if he didn't do the spot, climbed up the top rope, did an elbow drop on the top rope to the floor, which is an absolute killer on your hip. It was popped back in, but he was in terrible pain. The shoulder injury worsened from a top rope urinagi. Again, the pay-per-view's in his hometown. He'll do. He'll he'll be there. Yeah, I mean, like, what? A, like, I mean, like, I'm sorry. I hate to say this. Like, you know, like the world title, you can finagle the champion around with injuries and stuff. They usually do that in general, anyway, right? But. You can't have multiple titles on this guy right now. And Adam Cole, if they're both going to be like hurt, like that's, I'm sorry. Like it's the thing, man, it's the injury. It's the injury bug is fucking biting right now. And we need people to get healthy and people to return. We need to have this tournament go on without a fucking, without an injury. That's, that's one of the big goals right now for the next month. What I mean, what do they do? You think they have fucking alternates? Like what do they get? The person score? Maybe the person gets a buy. I don't know. It's going to be weird. Yeah, but like, how do you catch up in terms of score? Like, you'd have to have other. Oh, matches you'd have to get really creative. Had. Yeah. So you'd have to run like three matches for somebody in one. You know what? That you, you know what? That's the way you'd have to do it. It would look really silly, but you just have to have a week where that person has three matches, right, or something. If they were like three weeks in, like, yeah. and then nobody else wrestles until Collision. You know what I mean? Like, and then you just have like five matches of that shit on Collision or something. You know, like that could actually work. It'd be really stuffed, but it would feel but that like. Oh, God. Hopefully we're not putting that out into the universe. God damn. And we have our last little bit of news where being the elite is no more. This also came from the Observer where Meltzer said, So they just re-upped their contracts, right? They signed a long-term deal, didn't they? They just trademark a wrestling company name and they killed being the elite. What is going on, bro? Uh, Heels. Um, 
BTE is not on a hiatus. It's actually done. As of this point in time, there are no plans to bring it back. Since this post, um, there has been being the Dark Order has released their first episode. So they're still going to keep the channel running, right? But part of the heel stick that the Young Bucks are running is they're going to cut off everything that has to do with them being babyfaces. They want to be real heels. So I I'm I wish we would have gotten the the, the a true babyface run with them, but it just it wasn't in the cards. They they kind of did it with Kenny a little bit, but it didn't last long. So you know, here they go as heels, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But that is a pretty big thing. So being the elite, which was one of the bigger things that kicked off AEW. So I mean, that shit's been running since fucking New Japan days, man. That shit yeah. has like looks five like twenty sixteen, six years episodes or something like that. How many? I mean, how long was it on for? That's a good seven, question. seven. Seven years of like backstage wrestling content at like all the major wrestling shows. That, it's still going to be there from being the Dark Order. They're just changing the name. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, cool for the Dark Order too. But uh, yeah, that'll be it for uh, all of that. So you guys know how the rest of the show goes. We're going to give you some results, give you some thoughts on what's going on, and you're kicking us off with Ring of Honor on Honor Club, where we had Ronda Rousey's debut. So you uh, you take the lead here. Yeah, Ring of Con episode 39. We opened up the show with MIT backstage, uh, which was obviously minus Lexi, who they cut from the group last week, or was it a week or two ago? Whatever, whatever that was. Um, and basically, they came out and they said, we're going to challenge anybody. All right, fair enough. Uh, we had a Ring of Honor Pure Championship match. Shibata took on Trent Peretta. They had a really fun mat wrestling sequence here. Uh, Trent ended up going to the ropes first. It was super hard hitting because, you know, Trent's got that Japanese style. Honestly, he might have trained with Shibata in the dojo, let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's probably a good chance because Shibata was still a wrestler when he was, uh, when he was over there, I would think, right? So, you know, they probably, honestly, have wrestled, they might have wrestled before because wasn't Shibata in a tag team before? I'm sure he was. All right, I'm Googling it. Shibata, Shibata tag team partner. Let's look it up. Let's find out. We're finding it out live. We're already doing a long episode. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> tag team partner. Let's see. I bet it's somebody awesome. Oh my God. Him and Kenta, dude? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, that would have been a hell of a time to be watching Noah, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> Give me that team again. I hope that's what he's going back to Japan for. Jesus. I saw Kenta tweeting the other day about CM Punk. Anyway. Um, yeah, okay, actually, I had to... Uh, I, know I'm, I know I'm doing a Ring of Honor review, but he's slightly associated with Shibata, so... Bro, he put out a tweet that was like, I hope he comes up with a new finisher so that I can steal it and make it my new finisher. <laughs> yes. I just had to have a little laugh about that. Kenta's so fucking funny. Uh, anyway, yeah, they did some fun wrestling here. Hard-hitting. It was like less than 10 minutes, but I think it was a really solid match between... Two pretty good wrestlers. And uh, it was obviously Shibata's last title defense in his 239-day title reign. So, well, of the last successful one, anyway. Diamante took on Trisha Dora and Kiera Hogan and Willow Nightingale. Um, I thought this was Caprice's best intro for Willow so far. He just fucking nailed it. Um, I actually thought this was also a pretty fun match. Um, Willow picked up another big win here. I feel like she's been picking up big wins for, like, months now. And it just hasn't gone anywhere. Like, she's had title matches, but, like, it just hasn't gone anywhere. You know, like... Um, I guess she did kind of get a big boost earlier in the year, like super early in the year when she beat Mercedes, you know, like, which I don't think anybody saw coming, you know, like, um, but I mean, you know, uh, listen, all right. There, 
there is like a bit of a question. Like, I, I'm actually curious, Charlie, what your thoughts on this. Cause I really don't know what you do with Willow because she's kind of part Ring of Honor, part AEW. And she seems like in, in Ring of Honor, it seems like she could be world champion. Yep. But in, in AEW, it almost seems like her, her ceiling would be the TBS right now. And she's technically already been like a world champion. So it's really weird. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, I'll have to get your thoughts on that at some point when we talk about Willow again. But um, yeah, uh, it also took me like five minutes to remember that Kiera and Diamante, they're like a couple and they were like fighting in this match. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, hold on a second. I was like, actually, you know what, though? There's only so many women's wrestlers in the company, so it's going to have to happen. It is kind of silly to think about, though. I, but if you think about that, if you had somebody that you were in a relationship with that you could also wrestle, that yeah. would probably be pretty sick because you'd be able to literally be, you could come up with any dumb idea and they're not going to judge you for it. Not that a regular wrestler might, but, you know, oh, it's just, like, maybe it's a, they'd be it's an extra level of chemistry, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a higher level of chemistry than that, I would think. You know what I mean? Like, so. But I forgot about that, and then like, then it was like I think as Kiera tossed Diamante or something. Maybe no, maybe it was Diamante tossed Kiera out of the ring, and she was like, "Sorry." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, that's right." And she just looked so offended. Like it was that was what I love. Kiera's offended face when she got thrown out by her girlfriend, bro, or, or wife, or whatever they are to each other. You know what I mean? Like that was pretty funny. You know what I mean? Um, you know what? I'll say it. Fuck it. Do the fucking classic wrestling thing. Do a fucking storyline between those two and somehow make it make them stronger in the end. I don't know. Anyway, um, because fuck it. You got two. You, you got nothing else to do on Ring of Honor right now. You got no champions. You know what I mean? So we had some video of pro, pro wrestling revolver here, Charlie. I actually love when Ring of Honor does this. Uh, I wish AEW would do this. They used to do it more in AEW. They don't really do it unless somebody's coming in that's new, really, and they're showing footage of them from there, but. I would love for them to start doing this again more because we got some pro wrestling revolver footage here of Ronda and Marina tagging as a team. So that was pretty cool. Um, I believe they were, were they facing uh, Billy and Athena in that match? I want to say they were, right? I believe so. So there you go. Anyway, uh, Ethan Page took on Tony Nese. Um, group training was on a one week hiatus. So hopefully that means that shit's gone. Um, probably not though. Um, it's just not a super hot angle for me right now, Charlie. I gotta be honest with you. Um, I did like the way he knocked him the fuck out with that pump kick, though. That was nice. Ethan Page, he's getting there. I'm not sure if he's there yet, though, with this Ring of Honor run. We got a full gear recap, um, which was just running down all the stuff that happened with regard to the Ring of Honor stuff at full gear. We had our second Four Corners match. This was a tag team match. We had the Iron Savages taking on the Workhorsemen, the Infantry, and the West Coast Wrecking Crew, I think you're a fan of, right? Um... Or maybe not. Maybe it's just somebody we'd noticed before. I feel like this is a team that I've noticed before. Um, aren't they like a New Japan team? I'm, I'm losing my shit here. Um, oh, the, I think we've seen them in uh, the, like GCW stuff. And oh, you know what? We have seen them somewhere. I don't remember. Maybe yeah. it was maybe they were like some dark nerds. I don't know. Anyway, um, I oh, thought they were. There was something West they said Coast about them. Anyway, record. the point is, um, I love the entire presentation of the infantry right now. I think it's time to pull the trigger on them as tag team champions. Uh, I don't know how you get there with your champions unable to wrestle, but you know. Um, Sean uh, Dean, but, yeah. make him three and zero against MJF. Send it. That would be that would be career making. Um, the infantry I thought looked really good on all fronts. Uh, we had a little bit of meat mash here between the Iron Savages and the Workhorsemen, where more, more more like just like it was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, is Boulder the bigger one? I think so. And uh, and uh, obviously JD, you know, you get your you get your meat moment. We had a triple meat castle spot. Um, I'll just let you imagine what that looks like, chat. I, I called him chat again, Charlie. I need to stop. Ah! 
<laughs> you guys are all chats. I mean, that's all you are. No, anyway. Um, but yeah, I actually did think the West Coast uh, looked good here. Um, and if you'd have told me the workhorse were winning this match, Charlie, I'd have been like, oh, what? Oh, what? Because I honestly don't know why. I, I you think that maybe the workhorsemen will like potentially be like. I really don't want them just to get fed to MJF and Adam Cole or just MJF on one leg. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, that would be really lame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, okay. I know we've spent a lot of time on a lot of stuff. What do you do about this tag title situation right now, dude? Because neither of them can wrestle, and there's a pay per view. So, like, what do you get? <laughs> You can't just know. not have the tag titles on that pay-per-view. I thought you had an easy out at the last one, just having Samoa Joe fucking lay waste for the guy. Like, just caught, or just walk out and cost him. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Um, like Where, where's Marks Jack through. Perry as the devil when you need him? He's uh, too busy uh, playing with real glass. Anyway, um, <laughs> Lexi was backstage with Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. And they were like, yeah, we're not done with Ethan Page yet because this storyline is clearly not fucking two weeks past when it should have been dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Lee Moriarty took on Wheeler Yuta in a pure rules match. Um, and we got a little bit of a, something that I had not actually considered before. So I was looking uh, at the definitions of different types of wrestlers while I was watching this match. Don't know why, but I was looking at the difference between a technician and a technical brawler. I think that might have been a comment that was made by somebody in this match. and. I, I the, the difference there, I think, I didn't actually super look into it. I would assume a technical brawler maybe does a little bit more striking and, like, uh, suplexing and stuff like that. But, like, technicians, I, I, it's, like, it's, it, it's, it's, like, you know, it's, like, those, like, wrestling definitions that are, like, you no, know, it's, it, to me, it feels like when you're, like, do you listen to uh, metal? Yeah, I actually, do you listen to metal? Oh, yeah, I listen to metal. I listen to metalcore. I listen to blah, 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 blah. And they listen to, like, this 17 different kinds of metal out there that you're like, what? What? I just listened to metal, man. Like, what? Anyway, um, and I don't really think about it like that. You know, like, I, maybe it's like that, but um, I, 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 you can tell that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, my notes are a little screwed up here. I'm just going to move to the next thing and then come back to that and try to figure out what I was trying to say. You know, was using a closed fist and baiting Lee into using one. I, I think that's a, a bit of an overused spot in these pure rules matches. I'll be honest with you. They need to come up with a new way to get like, cause like maybe that's just a rule they need to drop. Cause of all the rules, the closed fist thing, like maybe it should still be a rule, but like maybe they don't like, maybe people don't go for it in matches as much because it is just against the rules. Like, I don't know. It just feels a little weird. You're baiting people into doing it, you know, like uh, maybe, maybe I'm just a little bit too, um, I don't know, like, I'm a little bit too, yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, look, that they overused the shit out of that spot. You know? Yeah. So. Um, oh, I know what I was trying to say now. So I was looking at, so they cut to the uh, the desk at one point with the judges on it, which I believe was uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Pat, and uh, was it, oh, geez. It was, uh, they just signed her recently, female talent. I can't think of who it is. Or not recently, but in the last year. Oh, is it Madison Rain, maybe? Yes, yeah, Madison Rain. Um, and they cut to the desk and Pat was just staring at the ring and I was like, he wants to mix it up with these guys. You know, he does, you know, no. Bro, I'm, I'm a Pat truther. The last couple matches he's had have been spectacular. He should wrestle more, honestly. You know what I mean? Like, especially cause they always need bodies and ring of honor. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the next match, Charlie is like, I feel like they booked for you, bro. It was Jack cartwheel 
Actually, I should I should I should talk about how he picked up the win. Actually, so he picked up the win with uh, you know, Yuta was like hitting a series of counters. He got the hammer of Anvil and then locked in the Seabell. That's actually a really cool combination of moves to finish a match for him, and it actually makes a lot of sense from like a. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like if you were planning out your attack, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of what you'd do. Like, oh, I'm gonna hit my hammer and anvils, and then I'm gonna lock them in the seatbelt after I, you know, got the momentum back in my corner. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Uh, but the next match, Charlie, did you book this match, man? It feels like you did. Jack Cartwheel versus Fred Roster versus <laughs> Lee Johnson versus Willie Mack, bro. What the hell is going on here? I, I would book that match. And I would have <laughs> Jack Cartwheel have some fun with Willie Mack. You'd have Jack Cartwheel win, let's be real. Probably. <laughs> And you'd have him do it by beating Willie Mack. Anyway. No, but I'm cool um, with the winner. I'm I'm down. Absolutely, yeah. I I hope Fred Roster does become like a regular in Ring of Honor. He's really really good in New Japan, obviously, you know. And he's one of those guys that much like I'm trying to think of a comp. There's been a couple of guys like that where like they're known and maybe they're not. Well, Juice would be an example because Juice was never a top top guy. He was like a mid to top guy in New Japan. Let's be honest. Like he was never gonna be. I don't think. Do you think Juice would have won the world title there? I don't think so. You know, like um maybe one day when he was like 50 you know but like you know what i'm saying like and and that's not anything against juice he was obviously always as talented he's just he wasn't in a place where they were going to use him like that but juice gets picked up by AEW, and i honestly think he will be an AEW world champion at some point you know um maybe not anytime soon but he could i think you could build it up in a way you know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm maybe i'm maybe i'm hitting the fucking pen but you know um smoking a pipe uh, yeah maybe i'm maybe, maybe yeah but um, I just thought this match was a blast to watch. They had like four different four-way matches this week on Ring of Honor, and I thought all three of them delivered. I said four. We had three different four-way matches on Ring of Honor this week, and I thought they all delivered. Um, and then Ethan Page backstage. This was the first of uh, many amazing promos we're going to talk about this week, Charlie. Ethan Page with the promo he cut like when he was in the ring with Scorpio Sky that one time with... Uh, Christ, what was that group called? American fucking top team? <laughs> And Ethan Page just started going fucking nuts and screaming in the ring. Remember this? It's one of the reasons why we started liking Ethan Page. You know what I mean? Um, and it was that type of promo. He was just pissed. And he basically said he's going to murder Tony Nese, essentially. You know, like, he's going to eviscerate him because he's been making a fool of him, basically. So I, I remember saying when the storyline kicked off that it's, if, if this little pipsqueak is what it takes to get you know Ethan Page back to Ethan Page mode, this kind of Ethan Page could win a championship in Ring of Honor for sure. I think he's going after the TV title, right? Um, well, maybe it hasn't been said yet, but I, I could see that being the angle, or you know, maybe the um, maybe the world title potentially. But um, if there's going to be a world title in the future, you know. Um, but God, there's so many questions around Ring of Honor right now that I just don't have the answers to. That I wish I could give people right now, like with this next match. <sighs> So Ronda Rousey made her Ring of Honor debut this week. She took on she and Marina Shafir took on Billy Starks and Athena. And I will say initially, I know a lot of people were like, when this rumor because this rumor came up like what like I remember I I mean I don't know how long this has been rumored. I'll tell you this I I got a notification not a notification I went on my I think I, like the on my phone I have like a a Chrome app or something like that for yeah. surfing the internet. And I opened it up and it gives you like recommended articles and it listed her debut. And I don't know if they like taped this a couple of weeks ago or something, but like and tacked it onto the end of this show or something. Uh, if that was the case, they edited it really nicely. But I remember seeing something about this like two weeks ago or something, you know, and I thought you would say something to me on the podcast 
um, and that like there would be this rumor out there. But I guess it just must not have been a thing that really. So maybe it was just it, like it was uh, after uh, collision at the at the uh, thing last week. So, but because we had a full gear coverage, we kind of we didn't really talk about it. Or we totally would. Well, no, I know why we didn't talk about it. I know how we did our podcast and stuff like that. I, mean, I think we missed a few weeks or a week or something like that before that or something like that. So, like, but I just remember seeing that article on my phone and being like, <laughs> I, I feel like if this happened, I would have heard about it from Charlie by now. And then I just moved on. Yeah. But then I saw um, that she was going to be on this episode of Ring of Honor. And I was like, wait, so that was just like some random website just put that out there? Like, okay. Uh, and it didn't really feel like it got spoiled for me. I was just very confused because I, I I thought it just didn't happen. You know what I mean? Because like, here's what I thought happened, Charlie. I thought they misreported it because I saw the clips of footage of them wrestling a revolver. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, maybe they just thought that was AEW for some reason. Like, uh, why? I don't know. But, you know, like, I don't know. I was very confused is all I'm saying. Um, I'm just not sure. Yeah. So I'm not against her being in the Ring of Honor, right? And a lot of people don't like Ronda Rousey as a wrestler. Um, I have not seen much out of the runs that we covered where she was with, cause for those of you that don't know, when we, when we covered wrestling, we covered it for a while. Then Ronda Rousey became a wrestler and she was fine up until when she left for the most part, there wasn't any really bad matches that I can really remember. She had some bad like botches, but like she was learning how to be a wrestler literally at the same time. So like that, yeah. I think we were forgiving about it. And then she just took like two years off and we weren't covering wrestling anymore. You know what I mean? So, and she never came back. So, you know, like to WWE. So until what was it like two years ago or something like that? Whenever she came back. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a short championship run and that was it. That was all she wrote. And the WWE fans did not seem to be into what she was doing. You know, uh, they were not done. liking her. So I. You know, I know I have no idea. Uh, she looked exactly the same as when I saw her like forever ago, in terms of like what she was able to do in the ring. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, I could tell you this right now: if you go from fucking uh, Athena to Ronda Rousey as your champion, yikes! Because that's not going to be the same kind of championship run. And she's now the only champion on Ring of Honor leading into the pay per view or leading out of the pay per view. I mean, they'll probably crown more champions at the pay-per-view, but, like, if the tag titles aren't on there and the world titles, a uh, triple crown piece, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, this could I, go really poorly. Like, they could, like, decide this triple crown actually is three individual belts that you could lose one of, and that would break up the triple crown. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think once they're together, they're locked. I so, hope so, yeah. Um... Here's what I'll say. I mean, I I was actually really vibing with with this match and with how they presented her throughout the night. I think teaming her up with Marina Shafir, A, is the best thing possible for Marina Shafir. That is the best pairing possible. This is much better than Nyla Rose pairing, which I didn't dislike, right? I don't dislike that pairing, but I think pairing her with Ronda really helps her stock out, and she has been getting better and better every single time, right? Now, having Ronda, I, I, I think Athena beating her would be really big for Athena. But I think you can take Mar Ronda and Marina as a duo, and they could work random AEW dates, and that would be perfectly fine, too. The fact that she went to Ring of Honor first and didn't care about, you know, oh, I'm going to be some big signing and this and that. She just wants to wrestle. To me, tell that to me almost speaks more to what her passions are for this business, right? So we'll just have to see. We gotta. It's a it's a waiting game, right? You know, 
does Jessamyn Duke come into this? Do, do they play that up as well? I, I don't know, but give me this tag team against Tony Storm and Mariah May. I mean, you they know? did try out Jessamyn Duke on a couple of episodes of Dark, didn't they? I want to say. Yeah, they might have. So, but you know, we're, we're forming tag teams right under now, a different name, I believe, constantly. So, if we get this duo against Tony Storm and Mariah May. That's going to be a fun match. To be honest with you, Marina Shafir has worked out so well that I just can't think of like how this could really go wrong, you know? Like, but I could also see like I can tell you right now if Ronda ends up as Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, it's going to be. I feel like it's not going to be a good sign of things to come for Ring of Honor, you know? Like, um, yeah, I mean that that'll be interesting. So, yeah, I the crowd fucking holy shit! Did they care about this match? It's pretty rare you get a crowd caring this. Yeah, much they were about really a Ring into of Honor it. Match. I wrote that in my notes. Yeah, they were definitely really loud for this, which is on a Ring of Honor show, obviously not expected. No, not at all. It was and when they were at, uh, when they were taping. Ronda was able to go out there before the because think about this. This is 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 Ring of Honor taped after or before? This was uh, the very like, last thing of the night, so that means these motherfuckers were. Tired. They've been there for like five hours at this point. Yes. Like. Oh wait, no! Rampage was also there, right? So they were there for like seven. No, this, hours this was a collision one. This oh no, that was, was just last collision. Week. Yeah, that was last week. That's right. I'm sorry. I always forget about the way the taping order works. I know I also spent like 30 minutes on Ring of Honor. I didn't mean to, but there was a lot of shit with Ring of Honor this week, and Ring of Honor is in a very dire state right now. If I'm being completely honest, um, basically the the ending of the match was Billy making a tiny mistake that cost them, which I'm sure will come back into a storyline of some kind between the two of them. Maybe that maybe that's your world title feud is not actually Ronda involved at all. It's going to be Billy versus Athena, and Billy's finally going to beat her, you know? Um, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what I didn't expect to see, Charlie. Ronda Rousey sold the shit out of that forearm from Athena. Yes, she did. So, I think that's a good sign. I think, I think, I think maybe this will work, but it could also be a disaster. And, and look, I... Writing on the wall. Neither of us saw this recent WWE run she had. So a lot of the heat she's gotten from that run, we we don't know about it. So we don't really care. So to us, this is just Ronda showing up, and we always liked Ronda on our show. So I don't know. There's going to be some people that are like, well, if you saw how bad it was, maybe you'd have a different opinion. Well, we do. I mean, they put her in front of the fucking harshest critic you can have, which is me, because I don't think anybody else covers Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um. Let's jump into, uh, I'll take the lead here, and we'll jump into Dynamite, where we kicked off with a Gold League Continental Classic match, where we had Swerve Strickland take on and defeat Jay Lethal. So Swerve very Strickland Very close to my has, favorite this week. He, yeah, very good match. He has three points. Um, this is a really solid back and forth. I I felt like in this match, I Swerve, what a, what a reaction following his full gear match. That was just incredible. Um, that moment when you're such a heel that you're now a baby face. Right. Uh, no Prince Nana in his dancing, which is uh, Sag, but uh, it is what it is. Did, did we I, have a double turn with him and Hangman at the pay-per-view? Is that what happened? No, I, I think it's just scenario. People are into him right now, you know? He'll still get booed when they when they start to improve. Come on, him, I but, need heel Hangman. It would be so cool. It would be pretty neat. But uh, Strickland... Uh, Ended up hitting a huge superplex, and he followed that into a rolling fl- flatliner and a brainbuster for two. Lethal countered a figure four into an inside cradle. He hit a reverse suplex and a top rope elbow for a near fall of his own. A Strickland countered the lethal injection, applied a stretch muffler. Lethal managed to counter into a cross face. He wanted the lethal injection. Strickland uh, drop kicked the leg out, hit the house call, swerve stomp for the one, two, three. So really enjoyable match. Okay. Really enjoyable. I just had one of those brain blasts that I get every now and then of what, like what you could do with Swerve in this tournament. Have Swerve go up three three zero, right? 
he's got nine points. Maybe he takes one loss and he gets into the finals, right? Everybody's banned from ringside, right, Charlie? Fine suspensions. That's what they're being threatened with. Heel hangman interrupts the match, costs him. He loses to Brian Danielson or whoever the hell else is in the finals, right? And Swerve then demanding Tony Khan give him a match against Hangman who's suspended for the rest of the year after his actions during the tournament. And he demands an unsanctioned match so that he can wrestle him at the pay-per-view. Give me what I want. Now that would be a hell of a way to end that storyline. I don't think that's what they'll do, but imagine. Now that would be, no, if that happened, people would be like, this tournament is cheese. It's a shitter. Renee's backstage with Orange Cassidy Hook and Tetsuyori Shibata. Cassie asked for the sign to make an announcement, which uh, was cut off by Yuta, who say it took 17 orange, punchins, orange punches and an exposed turnbuckle to defeat John Moxley. Yuta said it made him sick that Shibata still has a Ring of Honor pure title. Yuta told Shibata to watch his match on Ring of Honor this week and left. Uh, Cassidy said he had an announcement. Renee said they're out of time. MGF and Adam Cole came to the ring. Cole on crutches MGF with a cane. MGF said his voice is hoarse because he was pounding beers last night and wants to go in deep in with the ladies in Chicago and he's not talking about pizza. He puts over Jay White as one of the toughest challenges for his AEW title, ran down his own resume as AEW champion before calling himself humble. MGF said none of this would be possible without his bro Chacho. Uh, story time with Adam Cole. Bye-bye. Cole said it's good news that they're still bringing honor tag champions, but with good news comes bad news. Cole said he's not even close to being cleared yet as he can't even nearly walk yet. I just choked on my own spit. (laughs) That makes this decision for full gear to put him in the main event for a few hours leading up. uh, Yeah, pretty insane. So um, Cole brings up all the challenges ahead of him. He cuts him off and mentions whoever stole his devil mask said the hell he's going to bring them will feel like heaven. The lights go out. The devil appears and it laughs. Nice laugh, Jack. Uh, before disappearing until Samoa Joe's music hit, came to the ring. Joe said MJF is still AEW champion, remains ROH champion, yada, yada, yada. We're doing Samoa Joe and MJF at World's End. What does Jack Perry play into this? Is he going to have a team? Oh, we've discussed this already off pod, not to completely like throw everything out like, the what's window. What's going to happen like, we, here? We, we talked about this, like, what was it, yesterday or something like that? Or was it, it wasn't yesterday, it was a couple days ago, whenever we talked, most recently. And we were like, if is the devil even going to be at World's End? I think they'll be at it, but I think they'll show up at the end of the match, and that, that'll be the next storyline going into next year, right? Or maybe yeah. not even then, maybe even further down the line. So, like, I don't think that's even the next challenger because we still have Wardlow. Dude, we, I think I, mean, I think you need to have Joe win this now. And you need to have MJF do his story with the devil. That's the vibe I'm getting. Well, I, it's so funny because the devil first attacked Jay White, right? And we still have no understanding yep. about why that was. And then he, and then he attacked. So the devil uh, has to be with Jay White probably first, too, because the devil or Jay White's going to want a piece of the devil. That sounds. Why has Jack got beef with Jay White? I don't know. I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, he attacked baby faces and heels. That's the thing. That's what makes this so unhinged. And, um, well, it's the same time. That's why I almost on. feel like it has to be somebody new that we've never seen before because it doesn't really like. Do you know what I mean? You've like... never seen Jack like this. There you go. <laughs> I got you. Um, no, but, uh, you know, hey, hey, when, when they went to flash it on the screen, it looks like Adam Cole clicks a remote 
Could it still be yeah, him? I, I did see that. That was pretty funny. I mean, that, hey, listen, I, that was one of the first things everybody said was that it was probably Adam Cole, right? Because yes, I think ever since they became friends, it's been like, okay, obviously MJF's not betraying. That really would kind of undermine the storyline they built. Obviously, Adam Cole is going to have to betray at some point. He's done that throughout his career. He did it to Undisputed Air. He did it to the Bullet Club. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so we'll have to see where that plays into it, but... Um... I don't know I mean, where this Adam plays Cole into did it. like encourage him to take a match with Samoa Joe when he's technically hurt, right? Or not even technically. Agreed. Agreed. Agree. You know I mean, so he could be playing into that. I think um, this is one of the problems with why people call AEW like not having stories is like they're they're teasing a bunch of things and like they want you to not be able to tell what the actual direction is because they want you to be surprised, right? And I think for some people that's really confusing because I think some people are under the idea that it's got to be Adam Cole now, and there's also people like me and you that think it's Jack, right? And there's also people out there that probably think it's uh, David Finley. Maybe not that many, but there's probably at least one. I can't right? imagine a world that's not Jack or Adam Cole. Right I mean, now. honestly, like, really, I think we've right, narrowed it down to like, two. Right, but I mean, like, there's probably not everybody thinking it's the same direction necessarily. Yeah. And, like, and, and you know, time. I feel like it's been a while since we brought this up, and people might have missed it. But if you go back to the Four Pillars promo that MJF had, when he singles out Jack Perry... That is Jack's inspiration right there. The heel turn followed shortly after. Then he got suspended, and then he became the devil. I, I think I think Jack Perry's story from that exact moment in May lines up with him being the devil to be the best story possible. Adam Cole being the devil, it I, I would I don't want to say it feels lazy, but it's not as it feels like that's Jack's. the bailout storyline they have for MJF as world champion. If for some reason they yeah. feel like it's not connected, whereas Jack's story it, it does tie back to him being called out from MJF. And now, why does he attack Jay White first? Well, he's gonna have to explain that. Was that just because you know he wanted to maybe show off his new mask? Who's helping him attack people? I have zero fucking clue. That to you know, and not not to like go completely out of what is wrestling here, but I think there's also another argument you could make that there's nobody besides Jack Perry right now that needs this kind of reputation to be rebuilt. You know what I mean? Like he and AEW believes in him. Yeah, like, like I I don't think he's I know people come on back Twitter like to walk on eggshells, but I yeah. think for fans he's going to have to. You know what I mean? For like, a- I think- people on Twitter they fucking hate Jack, and so when I don't know why, man. When it's, it's revealed, punk fans, man, like, I, just I don't get know. over yourselves. Like he's they, not. Like- I feel like there was a shift sometime early this year, and it just completely changed. And then the punk thing happened as well. So it's there's a lot, right? I remember people were. We came on here week in and week out. People were dogging him so bad during that build to Double or Nothing. And it was just like, you know, are they're going to bury it. They're going to say this is the worst thing AEW's ever done. We were pushing for the heel turn, which I think honestly saved his fucking career. You know, like the heel turn's been great. When he killed Christian Cage, it was great. Oh, my God. Um, like, they built that up so organically over time. He was slowly getting more of an edge, more of an edge, more of an edge. And Christian fucking broke him. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's what it took. And with what Christian has done to other people, it lines up perfectly. Like, ah, people just need to get over themselves sometimes, man. I just, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see where this plays into world's end. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens to them, Jeff, here. All right, uh, moving on. Orange Cassidy, Hook, Ketsu, or Shibata defeat Angela Parker, Matt Menard, and Jack H- uh, Jake Hager. The only story here is Dan Housen's return, and he had the hat. Uh, Renee's backstage with Adam Cole. They can't wait to see Cole back healthy until Strong gets his way into the shot with the kingdom. Uh, Strong asked Cole where he was last week when Axe Andretti tried to kill him. That was pretty brutal. Cole screamed at Strong to shut up. Get it through his head that they aren't best friends anymore. Strong looked heartbroken. He told the kingdom he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. 
Excalibur brings up Will Ospreay officially becoming all elite. Tony Schiavone mentions this Monday tickets go on sale. Good, good, good. Okay. Now. It makes me feel like they wanted to make sure they got Will locked before then. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, right. That way um, they could sell him on that, you know? Yeah, he's on the posters. A way too early prediction. Who's Will Ospreay facing at uh, All In? Uh, in a perfect world, it's like Swerve, right? That's our world title feud. Just fucking nah, beautiful. Run it back. Orange Cassidy. Oh, okay. Okay. No, nah, I, I got him going. You already know this. I got him going for the world title at All In. So, I'm down. World champion, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yes. Okay. <clears throat> we both have uh, some of this Christian Cage stuff this week You on our shows. Uh, Christian comes to the ring with Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. Uh, you, you can't lose a match, Lucha. You're not allowed to. Both their lives benefited from being associated with him. It's time for them to recreate his image. Luchasaurus was not taking a knee, but that son of a bitch, he finally fucking did. He needs to come up with a name of strength toughness and never means defeat he's a finisher this saturday on collision he'll now be known you will now be known henceforth as kill switch bro he gave him a fucking sick name kill switch wayne immediately took a knee but cage said you get on your knees for no one boy you're the golden boy you are the prodigy Nick Wayne. And he's got this fucking ultimate Chad face. He is. He is so fucking stuck up. This son of a bitch Nick Wayne. The boy. Bring me the boy. Then we see Nick Wayne's mother. Who now has been named Shayna. I don't. I, this is the first time I ever caught her name. She comes to the ring to plead with her son. Christian calls her a terrible mother. Loving her child unconditionally isn't enough for Wayne. Making $40,000 a year waitressing isn't enough for a prodigy. It's a good thing her husband is dead, as Nick would have disowned him not being as good as wrestler as Cage's, nor the man he is, or the husband Cage's. Kate said had Shayna played her cards right, things would have been different, and told her to go punch her card in at the local Denny's. <laughs> Kill switch. Steps between Cage and Shayna. And dude, this was like out of a movie, man. It was like... You're not going to do anything to me. I created you. I am better. Right. It was this. Dude, this again. There were so many references here to like Star Wars and fucking movies. Like like he literally just fucking named him (laughs) Darth. You know what I mean? He's literally Darth Killswitch now. He will be henceforth known as Killswitch. Like, you know, like, um, and uh, long story short. Cage shoved Killswitch into Shane, who collapsed as Cage demanded Nick get a chair. Cage was about to concerto when he gave the chair to Killswitch. You will now do it. Who pondered doing it until you think you know him? Adam Copeland sprinted to the ring, laid out Nick with a spear. Killswitch pulled Cage to safety. Copeland speared Nick again before delivering an impaler. Shayna recovered long enough to watch Copeland give a concerto to her son. With Bro, Cage the look on her face, like, that was ramp. crazy. That was one of the craziest wrestling images well, I've seen. Dude, like, this shit was fucking awesome, man. I was so into this. Adam Copeland has had enough of Christian. Like, I've watched Swerve Strickland's blood be drank by fucking Adam Page, but this was more hardcore somehow. Like The passion from everyone involved, the how everyone delivered this, it was so good, man. Like, <sighs> I love shit like this, and it, uh, I was so into this, man. 
Adam Copeland was so tilted he concertoed an eighteen year old kid in front of his mother. When he's, he's the baby uh, face, line put him on the shelf. He's the baby face. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I mean, um, when you're going up against a heel as vicious as Christian and someone who you've been friends with as long as, like, in, you know, in kayfabe, before, if we're talking in kayfabe, these guys have been friends their entire lives, and, and Christian Cage is pissed all over it, basically, because he, like, he yeah. had resentment. Yeah, I mean, it's like, this is like... But AEW doesn't have storytelling, though. And as great as this was, what he did on Collision, which, which you're going to talk about, oh my god, Adam Copeland. We got the follow up this week. It was it was really good. Um, Renee's backstage with Parker Menard and Hager. Um, Parker got a phone call from Ruby Soho. Who gives a fuck, right? Honestly, Jay White defeats Roosh in the Continental Classic Gold League. Um, as 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 I saw people saying, if you like chops, this was the match for you. Roosh and Jay were beating the shit out of each other again. I'm, I'm sure both of us could have picked this for our favorite any day of the week. And, um, you know, uh, white always finds a way to cheat to win. And the continental classic was no different. And, um, I wrote in again, my notes at this point, if this is any indication, this tournament is about the mega slap. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he had a low blow on Roosh blade runner for the victory. Uh, I think it delivered. I, I, the crowd, something I wanted to tell you at the time. And I just remembered it was, um, because you hadn't seen the show yet. I, 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 I wanted to tell you, I was like, the crowd in our first two matches really cared about Swerve and Roosh. And I think that's telling of the future of this company. That How awesome is that? Because Roosh has not been on TV regularly. No. God knows how long. And, you know? and it was nothing against Jay White. Jay White looks great. He The crowd does always love him. But Jay's I, already made, let's be honest. Jay's already made. There you go. That's that's perfectly well put. He's a fucking literal New Japan multi multi world champion. Like this guy is legit. And Roosh, I felt like this was one of the first times I've ever seen the crowd really, really bite to him since his return, especially. You know, they cared about him during the Jack Perry match, which was one of the most phenomenal book matches this Real year. Real glass. The story they told in that match is so underrated, man. I, I swear to God, it goes over people's head. And I, I, we spent so much time on that that week because no one was talking about what was happening, but whatever. Um, yeah, I was so happy for Roosh in this moment. Even though we lost, guess what, guys? You can lose in AEW. It's not the end of the world. Uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill attacking Jericho at Full Gear Media. Scrum is shown. You guys know my thoughts. I'm sorry. That was so dumb. Um, <laughs> Wrestlelance, RJ City, and Renee Paquette are on the stage. With an envelope in hand, everyone's in character here. They're here to announce the winner of the AEW Women's World Title. Timeless Tony Stark! Um, he was in the crowd with Luther like it was an award show. Mariah May brought up the title. Mm. Um, put on a read glass before the speech. Storm to thank Anthony Khan, Jack Warner, whoever trained her, the woman in the locker room, the little Tony Storm, who want to be her. This is her spotlight, and they will not take it. Uh, Storm tells him to stay in school before a standing ovation flashes on the screen. And um, Sky Blue's music hits. Her new uh, Butcher Baby song. And yeah, we get Sky Blue defeating Ruby Soho and Anna Jay in the next match. Um, what do you think of the whole little presentation? I thought it was like, I thought it was nice. You know, that, that was that was so in character with Timeless Tony Storm that I had to applaud it. Of course she'd um, do that. I mean, I just it feel like unique. this match... 
I, I liked the match. I was I was a little confused because like there's a lot of storylines being crossed here that I don't think can really interact with each other, and also like I don't think there's really a direction for any of them, you know, right now. Um, Ruby kind of has one, but Anna it's Jay's nice kinda... to see Sky Blue picking up more consistent victories because that was That's always true. kind of a problem with, with her. She she was not winning consistently. She'd win a couple weeks in a row or a couple matches in a row in one and then week, she'd, and then get fed to a champion. Yeah, yeah, she'd tag with Madison Rain and lose, and you know, or she'd she'd face someone like Ruby and lose, and it's like eh, not anymore. The tides have shifted. She's uh, it's a new character. It's a new it's a new gimmick. Menard and Soraya try to reel them. You know, they, they were out there doing their things, and um, yeah. And um, Blue escaped the Queen Slayer, hit a pretty uh, hit a TKO for, to get the victory. Renee was backstage with uh, Wardlow. Um, he while he was uh, you know getting a nice pump and asked for his thoughts on the world's main event. Hey, Could ask what he's wanting for MJF and Wardlow said the downfall of the devil will happen on his time. Ar Fox walks up and said Wardlow's putting the blame on everyone else when he did the same thing with Darby Allen. But Wardlow said he doesn't need any advice from anyone, and he dropped his ass. Um, 100% chance we're getting AR Fox versus Wardlow on Rampage the week before he faces MJF or something like that. Yeah, that seems like an easy TV match. I could buy it. You know? Um, uh, John Moxley, Mike Briscoe in the main event of the Continental Classic Gold League. I, this was the only match that felt a little too short for me, but I feel like, uh, with the time they were given, they made the most out of it. And I think that's a testament to both of the talents involved. So, you know, this is uh, our main event here. And, um, yeah, uh, Mark Briscoe and his redneck kung fu. What do you think of this one? Kind of all in all. Uh, John yeah, Moxley I mean, I picking guess... up the victory, of course. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I think it was weird. I think this is going to sound weird, but I think outside of a tournament setting, this match actually might be better because they'd be able to just like have a street fight or something like that. You know what I mean? Which I think is what would make these two have like the best match they possibly could. Yeah. Um, they still had some blood in it, obviously, you know, cause John Moxley, you know, um, I, I liked it. I, I mean, I've liked all the tournament matches so far. Um, I hope this is not taken the wrong way by anyone that happens to hear this review, but I, if if any of the matches are going to be shorter and maybe slightly lower quality, it might be the Mark Briscoe matches, but he can also do, like I've said, since we heard him announce this tournament, he can deliver in big spots. And I think, and they'll like, I think when we're like in like the third and fourth matches of this tournament for, for each individual, I think that's when it's really going to start being, it could well, be that they try and treat it like the G1, too. but this isn't like the G1 or like the, it's, you know what I mean? Like there's not like, you're not wrestling like the super juniors where you're wrestling multiple days in a row. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same thing. There's no time crunch. You have time to recover between each match. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to play it like you don't though. And I, th- I think that's weird because there is an obvious week between each match that everyone's going to have. You know what I mean? There's never going to be a week where you wrestle two matches in the same week. You know what I mean? Like it is, they need to figure that out. That's all I'm going to say. But other than that, with the, with regard to how that's going to work, I think, you know, I think I'm not, I'm not at all worried. Not that I was, but if anyone was worried, if Mark Briscoe was going to be able to hang in this tournament, I think, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, and and to to that point, I mean, he is the newest singles wrestler out of all twelve of these guys, right? So he he's only started wrestling singles in the last year, and I, I think he works really well at it. You know, more oh, being a, an only singles wrestler, I should say. So yeah, I, I think he knows how to take advantage of that time, and he had a fun match with Moxley, and um, 
Yeah, let's jump into uh, Rampage, where Hook defeated Rocky Romero. Um, I loved, loved, loved how Kevin Kelly set up Rocky Romero's fucking accolades, man. Eight-time junior tag champion? That's got to be like, le- that, he's got to be considered a New Japan legend Dude, at that point. I, see, when I was first introduced to Rocky Romero years ago, in his team with Rapungi Vice and Trent, some people were like, wow, that was when he found him? Jesus. And others were like, what the fuck? Um... I, he was never presented as this kind of guy. I hate that he, he, it never felt like he was presented as this like world renowned accoladed fucking wrestler. And I think in the past couple months, even in AEW, he's been on AEW multiple times. He was never, ever presented like this. Something changed after CMLL. And now I'm starting to see just how great of a wrestler Rocky Romero is. And I, I, even when I saw him live against uh, Lee, uh, Lee Moriarty, I thought it was a good match. I, was, I thought it was fun. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just want to mention that because uh, Hook, this is his 43rd ever match. Hook's only wrestled 43 matches in his career. You know what getting reps like so, against someone like Rocky does for him? That is fucking awesome. Um, he's becoming more and more in the ring. Uh, more and more comfortable in the ring, I should say. And, uh. Yeah, I just I enjoyed this match. This was a this was a nice tone setter to a three hour wrestling night. Video package we have for Shibata and Wheeler Yuta. Uh, Statlander defeats Diamante, and you know, uh, again, multiple times Diamante wrestling in the week is always a good sign to me. I think she is a very she's like a she's like a good role player in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like you can always rely on Diamante and. Um, I think giving Statlander a win following her title loss. The only difference between this and her title reign is, you know, they just would have put the title on the line here in a meaningless match, right? So uh, I think this is important to pick up a victory. Uh, Mercedes Martinez teases a little bit of something else there. So Willow Nightingale does a little something, something. So maybe a tag match. Again, I think these could be some tag teams for Marina and Ronda, for Athena and Billy. You know, we, 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 we got a little something cooking here. So we'll just keep an eye on that. And that's, that's also me. We're also yeah. teasing up, uh, what was it? Uh, Rachel Ellering and, um, and, uh, Layla, uh, Layla Hirsch. So, yeah, yeah I mean, those are all. Mariah May, Tony Storm. Give me Ru- Layla Hirsh versus Ruby Ronda Soho oh and Soraya. That match, can you imagine? They're just going to fight each other. Yeah. So, um, wow. I just got a notification on my phone. This is so fucking out there what I'm about to say. Senior Bowl, you know, you know the Senior Bowl. You used to watch it with me a little bit. They just got a uh, fucking Lealu Latu from UCLA to fucking Lealu Latu from UCLA, dude. He might be the number one pick in the draft going to the Senior Bowl. Holy shit! That's actually insane. That like almost wow. never happens. Like, dude, this is like the best pass rusher in the in the draft. Like, I'm not saying Miles Garrett caliber, but Chase Young caliber. Like, like this fucking good. Anyways, complete side note. Um, holy shit. That's fucking awesome. Um, we get the Daniel Garcia promo I was talking about. He spoke to the AW cameras. He was happy to drive right to the show tonight. He gave multiple, uh, he, a drive he made multiple times during his independent scene. He admitted his confidence is low to several high profile losses, but he was ready to prove that he wasn't a loser. The kingdom come out, do their shtick, uh, beat up Duke Davis and Danny Jones. You know, you guys know what that was. And then we had our main event. That was the end of my shows in a fun live collision that uh, 
featured, uh, you know, the pure championship. And, uh, yeah, I, I was down with this. And now let's go to our final show of the week where we have AEW Collision, which I've already, yeah, I've already uh, covered the opener. I got to ask you point, another question, so. Charlie. When when CM Punk uh, started Collision, did you think 23 episodes later he'd be in a WWE? Absolutely not. How insane is that? We didn't even make it 20 fucking weeks before he's back in WWE, which isn't that's, that's I just had that realization this week and I was like, bro, what the fuck? But anyway. um, yeah, we kick off with Eddie Kingston, it looks like. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, Brody King, Daniel, and the Occult Open, it looks like. Um, that's what I put in my notes anyway. And obviously, we had the match between Daniel Garcia and Claudio Castagnoli that we already talked about. And we had more Eddie Kingston backstage cutting a promo about the content of the classic, uh, even though he didn't want to cut a promo, which was the... God, how real was that, though? This is why having people like Eddie Kingston and AEW is so good, because there are are people uncomfortable to talk. And, you know, maybe they're going to be scared of Eddie, and he might have that personality where you are a little scared to talk to him. But I, I think... We've seen it, whether it was on that AEW All Access with Ruby Soho, and we've seen him be comfortable, and he seems like the kind of guy that, and I'm not going to name a single wrestler in this, but if you are feeling uncomfortable, I feel like Eddie's the kind of guy you could go talk to to get actual legitimate tips and maybe get training in an aspect that you you know you're not going to A hundred percent. I think especially after that article he put out, like he's been through the ringer when it comes to like mental health and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I remember the thing we we talked about with Bowens a couple weeks ago where he had the Players Tribune article where he Mm -hmm. said the worst, the, the weakest part of him as a professional wrestler was actually not wrestling at all. It was being able to talk and being more comfortable with himself talking. So he did improv classes at, I want to say UCLA and look what it did for him. You would never know that watching the acclaimed, which they were on TV this week. That doesn't happen often. I just realized. Okay, sorry, sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, it's actually kind of notable. Um, they actually got a week off. Um, yeah, we had Kill Switch taking on the boys. Oh, we had a choke slam to the apron. Uh, Adam Copeland ended up coming in to make the save. They then sacrificed Kill Switch to the gods. Um. And then he no-sold the concerto, Charlie. I don't think that's ever happened in wrestling. That is insane. Well, no-sold. To be fair, no-sold is is an exaggeration. I'll I'll give you that. He got back up, man. I don't know. He didn't get back up. He started moving. That that doesn't happen. I do agree. He was on his arms and knees. Come on. He was crawling, and he got concertoed again. And I, I do agree that doesn't happen, but I think that shows... You know, that mask gives him, like, plus 50 durability, you know? Yeah, so. literally. Um, <laughs> we got a little bit of recap out of the break about what just had happened, about Adam Copeland beating down. So, basically, this is singling out Christian. This is why I think he might actually lose, because he's going to have nobody in his corner, potentially. But, I mean, they could also come back in the next couple of weeks. It is a little early to do this, don't you think, with this pay-per-view? I mean, what, do I just have the date of the pay-per-view confused? Like, is it is it, like, earlier in the month? It's later December in the month. December 30th, yes, very end of the month. Yeah, so I don't know why they're doing this now. Are they just going to be off TV for the next month? Like, okay. No, uh, wait, for Copeland and, and Christian? So, Nick Wayne in storyline is in the hospital, and I'm assuming yes. they're going to do the same thing with Luchasaurus, or I guess Killswitch, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, the TNT title is December 6th in Montreal. Oh, that's right. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, yeah. Oh, Canada. It's literally next week, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I guess maybe, yeah, maybe. It, no, uh, following week, following week. Following week, you're right. Actually, you're right. Um, 
Yeah, I yeah, it's not it's not tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, man, I don't know, man. Like, uh, anyway, I just don't. I it, so I guess yeah, they're taking him out for that match. I mean, dude, we might we might know the answer to this, and it's the trademark earlier. Maybe he gets help from the other boy. I mean, that's totally that a Solo Sokoa spot, but you know that, what I mean? No, I, know, I, I agree, but I mean, that could work. I feel like even though you're calling it a Solo Sokoa spot, like I feel like it doesn't happen that much, that specific spot, bringing in somebody new that you've never heard of, like to interfere. I don't think that happens that much in AEW. I can't think of a time that it's happened. No, 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 it, it, it doesn't, but it, it could be a Satnam Singh spot too. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, I don't know that's how true. well it would you're, go right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because 95% right. of that audience does not know Jordan Oliver. I'd say 97. 97 yeah, doesn't right. know No, that's the thing. Like, AEW fans are, I think, often assumed to be, like, more, like, um, like, I guess the, the good term would be, like, terminally online wrestling fans. That just they, That's their only form of entertainment is wrestling. I don't think all wrestling fans that watch AEW are that. I think they're just... I think that I think that like a chunk of them are former WCW fans that just don't like WWE and want something else to watch, right? And that's like the older demographic. And then there's a young base of wrestling fans that grew up watching WWE but don't really like the current product and watch AEW because it's something different. You know what I mean? So I don't know how much of those people are going to actually know. How many of those people do you think are actually the like? There's a there's a like not every AEW fans like an online internet wrestling fan. You know what I mean? Like they're some of them don't even check that shit. They don't even care because they just like watching wrestling. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. This uh, collision, like you said, was kind of jam packed with like crazy shit because we had Gravity and Commander taking on the House of Black, which is they just tossed out there. Charlie, Christ. Um, there was this move that uh, that um, and by the way, the combo here was obviously because Brody was wrestling in the main event. We had um, Buddy Matthews and. Uh, um and malachi which if we had that combo as a tag yet i we must have what, at least once right maybe when Brody yeah, was injured. it's just been a long time i think so i i would like to see that combo more because they actually work as a tag team super well but they hit this fucking knee move charlie where it looked like buddy was almost like sort of falling but it, i think it's intentional because i think i've seen them do this before and he just falls into fucking malachi's knee and just gets destroyed it was pretty great and, and that was awesome. Gravity um, sold it like a god. Yeah. And it's like this, I love that they're just giving us these matches. We had our command to Roblox spot. It's still, it's, no matter how many times I see it, it's still insane every time he does that. Oh, yeah. I honestly thought they got to do some really great stuff here. The TV quest, blah, the TV wrestling quality in this week, Jesus Christ. And if you just thought that segment couldn't get any crazier, now granted, they fucked up and they didn't show all of this um, on the TNT feed, I guess. But at this point in the show, if you had the if you had the non like television feed up, you found out that Dante fucking Martin was back, Charlie. Because yeah. they cut to backstage and it's uh Action Andretti and Darius, and they're like, you know what? We've been really gelling as a tag team, this is action speaking. I I I feel like there's just been something holding us back, and I don't know what it is. And Darius is like, Yeah, I kind of agree, and I think I know what the solution to that is. Cut to the cut to the side. Dante Martin arrives. He's back. And Charlie, I remember saying to you fucking months ago that when they brought Dante back, they need to keep action with Darius because that is a great trio. And oh my god, Top Flight is now a trio, Charlie! Um, I am so fucking down, man. I am so I cannot down. wait to have Dante Martin wrestling every week again, bro. It's gonna be so fucking good. I really hope he... That, and I don't want to fucking put this out into the universe, but he had a brutal fucking injury, man. I really hope he hasn't lost a step. You know what I mean? Like... 
but I would understand it because he took a fucking brutal fucking. I mean, that shit happening to his. I mean, I've never. That might be the most horrific wrestling injury I've seen since that dude that jumped off the second rope. I think it was uh, fucking uh, Psycho Sid, right? And like just breaks his leg. I don't know if you've seen that spot, but like, yeah, like that's the, other than that, that might be the most nasty wrestling spot I've ever seen. You know, and uh, I'm just glad that he's back, man. I'm so excited. You cannot go wrong with Dante Martin. Our fourth pillar has returned. We now have, I guess you could say we have a sturdy foundation now. Anyway, um, Julia Hart took on Lady Frost, who apparently has also been on the shelf for like a month. They must have taped some stuff that she did like a while ago and just used it because I thought she was on Ring of Honor a couple of weeks ago. Let me go to Lady Lady Frost cage match really quickly. I'm not actually going to address it on the show, but I'm just curious. Yeah, it has been a little bit. Has it been a little bit? I thought she wrestled recently. Maybe I'm just faded as fuck. I remember wrestling Statlander. That's about it, I think. The last time she wrestled with AEW was... Um... Uh, yeah, she was on Honor Club uh, back in, like, July? That doesn't make sense. She a little out. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's... Oh, no, October, maybe. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. I guess it would be a month. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I guess I didn't notice she was gone because they've just been using a lot of great people. Anyway, um, nothing against Lady Frost, but I thought... I swear to God, I remember seeing her recently. Oh, well. Um, maybe she just sticks in my mind. Maybe that, maybe that means I need to fucking lock her down because she sticks in my mind like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, right. but this was uh, house rules and the rule that they went with is no counter by the way I love that they're having her do the house rules because you know what that means Charlie every fucking match because it was because of her being a part of their group they just banned Julia because she was always getting involved they can't do that with the rest of the house of black now there's absolutely no reason you know what I mean because they're not gonna I can, I, can you really see them interfering in her match maybe no. but I don't that doesn't feel right for this title reign right like no yeah it, it, I don't yeah and uh, obviously, we had the really athletic spots from Frost. She really showed off what she can do here. She ended up blocking in the Heartless for the win. Um, and the other thing I wrote in my notes, because I'll just be honest with everybody, I was like, God damn the Yiddies. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, they were Yiddian, man. Anyway, um, Amen. Uh, Lexi interviewed Don and Powerhouse Hobbs. And uh, I actually want to pull this up in my notes, because I didn't actually take like notes about it. I do remember liking this promo. There was a lot of really good promos this week, honestly. Um, blah, 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 scroll, 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 Anyway, oh, I need to scroll further down. I hate these articles because sometimes it'll be like, oh, is that the end? No, it's not. All right. Um, yeah. So they called out, like, um, how Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega earned a title shot. They're basically playing the role of us. <laughs> Being like, how the fuck does that work? They were just sitting on a title shot, I guess. Okay. I guess they did win it, but, like, I, I feel like for most people that watch AEW, they're not going to remember that match. You know what I mean? Like, um unfortunately even though it was wasn't it a pay-per-view match where they earned that title shot am i crazy like and it doesn't matter anyway um the so basically okay like i just basically he was saying that hobbs could take them both on at the same time i guess i don't remember getting that vibe from this promo that's what they're saying in the note in this in this article though yeah, oh, I mean, he's saying the last time he wrestled them individually? When did he wrestle Kenny? Yeah, it's probably been a while. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think you beat Kenny Omega back then. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, no. I think they must be just phrasing this weirdly on the article because I'm thinking what he probably said was something to the effect that the last time we saw each other, I beat the shit out of you. And it wasn't in a match. But the way it's phrased here, it feels like it was in a match. I don't know. Anyway. Um, anyway, basically, they're just saying he could beat everybody up. I don't care anymore. Hobbs is being... You know what's crazy, Charlie, is that Hobbs is part of this Jericho Appreciation Society and nothing has changed. He's still not getting used, really. You know, like... Yeah. This Don Callis thing, I, I just... I, I don't know the end game of it right now. And I Kanosuke hasn't been used that much either. He's been getting a few matches here and there. I, yeah. I'm I mean, it Kanosuke seems like a bottomless pit right now, now, to be honest with you. Like, I get that Don Callis has the heat, but, like, it's... I don't think it's working. I don't know. Uh, FTR took on the Righteous, and on paper, this sounds like a fucking really fun match, and it was good. Um, but unfortunately, I think the Righteous are probably toast. Um, because they haven't won in a while, Charlie, it feels like. And they got paired up with Lance Archer for like five minutes, you know, for like a cup of coffee. And they brought Jake the Snake back for like five minutes of an episode and brought mm-hmm. them together. And it seems like they've already killed that unless this was like part of that, which I don't think it was because then the House of Black came out and threatened FDR, which seems to be the story they're going with for FDR next. So, um, sucks, sucks for the righteous, man. We were really, I, I still think there's something there. I, there was at this point in the show, they reshowed for the TNT audience the Dante return segment. Um, and then they also showed the Jericho attack at full gear again. Tony Schiavone then interviewed Bill and Ricky. And I actually like the promo they cut here, Charlie. I don't know if you agree. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah. Um, especially well, it, Bill, it, man. Dude, Bill, when he gets real about his life, I love him when he talks about that stuff because it's so agreed. real. You know what I mean? Agreed. It, it comes off as genuine as well. Because I believe that he actually has bettered himself since that time in his life. And it makes me really sad that we, because we kind of, you know, we, we watched him go from being this really incredible potential fucking world champion in four weeks to like everything fell apart when he faced Enzo. You know what I mean? It, 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 he's admitted basically that it was the pressure that got to him. You know what I mean? And I understand that because they probably wanted him to be a world champion. You know what I mean? Like, um, cause he's got that look, you know what I mean? And he was over as fuck as a heel. You know what I mean? Like when he turned on Enzo, man, that was one of the crazy, that, like of, of iconic moments when we were covering wrestling. That's one of them, him turning on Enzo. You know what I mean? Cause I don't think any of us saw that cut at the time. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, yeah. So really great stuff from Bill, Bill and Ricky there. We had a really epic fucking video package for the Continental Classic, Charlie. Holy shit. Um, and then we got Keith Lee versus Lee Moriarty. Uh, we had Moriarty sent out of the... Sh- we had Moriarty immediately being sent to the Shadow Realm, and that's how we got to our commercial break. <laughs> the and, Shadow uh, Realm. You know, Pittsburgh was catching some strays on commentary, and uh, Keith picked up the win here. Lee's in a tough spot right now with Shane Taylor Promotions because he kind of just has to be the guy to lose while he's on the way to Shane because there's not anybody else in the group to lose for him right now, currently. So, you know. Uh, oh, uh, I mean, fine. I, I just wish it didn't have to be at Lee's expense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Keith Lee then cut a promo backstage uh, with Lexi and he called out Shane Taylor or not Shane Taylor? I, I, it wasn't like what I'm getting at is it wasn't clear. I don't know. Um, yeah, he was like, uh, you're the one I want, right? Like, yeah. he didn't say specifically Shane Taylor. It's Shane fucking Taylor. They're not going to go that far away with it. Um, uh, it's AW. They can do anything. There's a lot of meat going on on collision, dude. And yeah, yeah, there really is. Speaking of meat on collision, 
Brody King took on Eddie Kingston in the Continental Classic. And uh, the way I described it at the opening of this match, Charlie, was they were ego challenging each other on the shoulder tackles. Um, <laughs> for anyone that's a, a Call of Duty League fan, you'll you'll yes. find that uh, hilarious. Yes. Um, Dude, can I just real quick? I, when 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 Brody King was first announced for this tournament, I, I wasn't like over the moon. Dude, I was so fucking wrong because as soon as I thought about it, and as soon as he hit the ring in this match, I was like. This Brody King is perfect for this fucking tournament because he's so underrated as a singles wrestler. This guy in fucking PWG, that was my first ever time becoming familiar with him. He was so fucking good, man. And in God, was this just like a net, like a fucking gritty fight. You know what I mean? I think he like, was literally in four of the PWG matches we watched last year, and all of them he was incredible in. Well, yeah, he was in all the tag matches we watched because he was defending on each show. Like, that was... Dude, the matches him and the Kings of the Black Throne were having on that PWG was just insane. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, continue, continue. Sorry. Oh, you're all good. You're all good. I didn't want to, like, interrupt your point. Um, the, uh... Yeah, one of the things I wrote in my notes is I love how everybody respects Eddie and fears Brody from, like, a booking perspective. Like, I feel like that shows super, super good booking on both parts because Brody is like this fucking big ass motherfucker that you don't want to fight. And Eddie is just like, you can't kill Eddie. It takes like a, a fucking giant meat castle of a man like Brody to beat Eddie. You know what I mean? Like, literally. Um, hard chop strikes exactly like you would think to. There were some like absolutely brutal sounding chops toward the end of this match. Eddie started hitting the head drops. I knew this match was going to be close to over then. And then Charlie, Eddie Kingston, takes a loss in round one, or I guess match one of this tournament. Yep. Brody King up three points. Th- that was a big reason why I think Tony Khan had to clarify that on his uh, their little video announcing uh, uh, the other contenders. <laughs> I think... Uh, I think Eddie spoke a little bit at first. Eddie wanted the, if anyone beat him, that they became the Ring of Honor World and New Japan Strong Champions. And I think yeah, the reason why he wanted that was because now. he wanted more legacy on the belts before they became part of the Triple Crown. And Eddie was probably trying, planning to lose to anybody who he could in this tournament. You know what I mean? For some reason. I don't know why. But, um, like, I yeah, I heard about that. I, mean, I didn't actually hear about that. I remember him saying that and then them just not addressing it on this. And I was like, okay, so clearly they just dropped that. But yeah, yeah. Tony Khan himself clarified it on uh, their YouTube video. So again, they never bring that stuff to TV. But if it there were people that the were fuck out of the tournament, if there was just constant title chains happening, because exactly. not everybody is. Yes. Like, someone's going to have to lose at some point. Like you can't just have somebody sweep the tournament after they win the championships. That's just like, that would be weird. The championships are all on the line for the finals. That's what it's about, you know, like. But, yeah, that back fist into the fucking uh, Dante's Inferno, that was, uh, that was a beauty right there. Yeah, this, um, this is another match that could have been one of our favorites this week and just an insane match of, or insane week of wrestling in general. And CM Punk's back in AEW, or AEW, that would be fucking nightmare, nightmare fuel. Back in WWE, um, and... It's just a weird time to be a wrestling fan. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Uh, and they announced so just so we're all on the same page here for next week's matches. Brian Danielson will face Eddie Kingston. Claudio is facing Brody King, and Dana Garcia is facing Andrade. And um, on Dynamite, it's Roosh versus Mark Briscoe, John Moxley versus Jay Lethal, and Swerve Strickland versus Jay White. So, 
Swerve and Jay White, that's going to be a fucking humper, huh? I mean, you would hope so, because, I mean, is that a first-time match? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like it. If it's not, then they've not wrestled that much, and that's always, a, you know, a really nice thing that AEW has a lot of opportunity to do because they have so much talent that is really good. That it's my God, faced a lot Jay White versus John Moxley is going to fucking destroy. Oh, my God. John versus Roosh. Oh, John versus Swerve. Oh. Yeah, there's some good stuff here coming up, so... Yeah, guys, that was it. Uh, the Internet, the Continental Classics, really getting rolling here, and um, I'm excited for next week when we uh, we dive even more to everything else. So, here's to uh, another good week of wrestling. And if this is your first time checking us out, thank you very much. And um, yeah, we will catch you guys on the flip side. <laughs>